Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. It is another episode of RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition. And finally, I don't have to preface this episode by saying uh, rough games this week. Uh, not a lot of games. We're finally getting into some conference games. We, we've got uh, we've got a decent little slate here. Uh, I am AJ Hoffman, joined as I always am on this show by Griffin Warner. You can find him on X at the real underscore G Warner. Griffin, how are you, my friend? Thank you. Thank you for doing that. I'm, I know that it's been a wild voyage to try to find me on there. I wish I had a better handle, but you know, in 2009, when I thought, oh, let's join this thing. Let's figure out the way Shaq made his Twitter account. I'll just do that with mine because it's a joke. And then LOL, here we are. Uh, wow. Is that 15 years later? Jeez, I'm about to vomit. You know you can change your handle and still keep everything else. Well, I did. I believe, believe me, I looked into it, and uh, let's just say the other options were worse. I don't know how it's possible. Well, that's unfortunate to say the least. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I believe we have some celebrating to do. We do. Finally. A two and O pod. Finally, Finally. Uh, we, we broke the one and one streak, uh, and it was it felt oh so nice. I texted you as soon as I saw it hit. Said, look at us, a couple winners at the uh, winning at the look same at time. Look at unbelievable. Us. Not one of us carrying the other for a couple weeks at a time. Hell yeah, uh, felt good. So hopefully we keep that momentum going, and uh, let's go ahead and jump into the games, man. Let's start with the game. Uh, these are all Friday Saturday games. One Friday game, three Saturday games. Uh, it's a pretty short slate uh, tomorrow as we record this on Thursday night. But the marquee game, Illinois at Purdue. Uh, that line currently Illinois catching 10. And I think the real question when it comes to this number is, have we seen the real worth of TJ Shannon? Like obviously him being gone is a big deal. Um, losing that transition ability. like, But Illinois looked okay, uh, at least against Northwestern without him. Obviously a different conversation against Purdue. And um, what, what Illinois does have is they've got the kind of big that, can, at least on the defensive end, can give Edie some issues because Coleman Hawkins can leak out to the top of the key. He is both an excellent passer and a pretty damn good shooter. The problem with Coleman Hawkins comes on the other end where he's got to defend uh, Zach Edie, and that is inevitably going to lead to foul trouble, which will put him on the bench and there's just no other depth at, at you know at the at the big position for for this Illinois team so you can't really afford to have him sitting and Illinois also still doesn't have a point guard and they can ill afford another 15 turnover game like they had against Marquette uh, the numbers probably out of my comfort range uh at 10 but i i think if i had to make a play on this i would probably be on Purdue just cuz I, I don't know what you do to slow down Edie in in the in the times that Hawkins is either in foul trouble or or resting I assume they try to match the rest but what happens once he gets into foul trouble how do they even slow down Zach Eady I think the next biggest guy who gets minutes is like six foot eight and good luck putting that up against Zach Eady what do you you think here yeah Quincy Garrier probably not the uh 
the stalwart defense, defender that you're looking for is I think he envisions himself more as a, uh, a guard or potentially perimeter player. I think the answer is you do as much as you can with Coleman Hawkins and then you uh, switch to his zone, which we've seen a fair amount from Brad Underwood in the past. He seems to be one of those coaches that kind of goes with the flow with his defenses and, and kind of finds this is the way I play and this is the way we're going to play. And then he changes it because he realized they can't do it if that's the case. Um, I think that happened last year where they're switching of ball screens. If I want to say they were switching it one through five, basically stopped doing that maybe because Coleman Hawkins was getting in so much foul trouble. But um, I, I think what he has also shown in the past, I, I ha- like literally have a file where I take notes on what I've seen from these coaches. And I think it's going to be a lot of just doubling the big inside. And that's going to be unfortunately taking people off shooters, which is very scary, uh, especially on the road at Purdue, where they are essentially designed a four-round one offense. He's the perfect player for Matt Painter. And then they surround, flank him with with shooters, and maybe they have an off night, but I think it's way less likely at home, especially when you see three green uh, squares around three-point shooters and Trey Kaufman-Wren, Camden Heidi. Uh, yikes, wish I didn't have to say that name because I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but Braden Smith at almost 49%. Mason Gillis over 50. So uh, this doesn't feel good for me with Illinois. I think this is their rude awakening to uh, what is our team now without TJ Shannon. Um, really awful circumstances and really sad to hear about in a lot of diff- different directions. I have no yeah. idea what the what the truth of the matter is. But um, ultimately, it's going to be, I think, Marcus Domask, who was essentially taking smaller guards one-on-one. Uh, could potentially do that, but then you have Edie to potentially bother things and it's unlikely they'll spread the floor. So unless Coleman Hawkins, 35% from three is, is a threat out there. If he can pull Edie away, um, maybe that's the way they do it, but they're going to have to hang around with what's likely a good three point showing from Purdue. And I don't know necessarily how you do that. So even at 10 big number, um, almost covers fouling. I think there's huge blowout risk here, and uh, I'm going to need to see Illinois and how they perform without their All-American candidate. Yeah, and that, that's that's the way I would lean as well. And it, like honestly, when you think about Illinois and kind of their switchability on defense, it reminds you a lot of Arizona. And this was the same Purdue backcourt that just chewed them up. Uh, they, they, Arizona didn't have an answer for it, so. Uh, I, I think it, it's Purdue. It's it's a. I mean, obviously in, in conference, it's a a big big number to lay, but uh, that's that's the only way I could look here. All right, let's go to the ACC and take a look at a couple teams that I I actually uh, had a win and a loss with these two teams respectively. UNC at Clemson uh, over the or I guess over the the weekend yeah UNC and Clemson I or maybe it was during the week I don't know this when, week when this week that was our uh that, that was our welcome in and ease in to the conference play that's what it was um yeah UNC played their first road game of the season at Pitt and Pitt just had absolutely no answers for them and uh I, I was a winner on that one I was a loser with Clemson I, I thought laying one at Miami just knowing how banged up Miami was and they, they, they did, they did ending up having uh Nigel pack, but they did not have Wuga Poplar. And I, I felt decent about that. And um, it looked really good for a half. And then at halftime uh, it's like NBA jam that you're on fire mode yeah, where yeah. they shot like 75% from the field in the second half. And I don't care what you're doing on the other end. If one team shoots 75%, 
that team wins and Miami pulled away from them and, and a, a great showing for Miami. Um, no, no excuses, obviously, but yeah, I, I thought Clemson was going to hang better with them. Um, what do you see with these teams? Obviously, I, I think having size against Clemson is, is key. North Carolina has that. We'll, we'll go ahead and call this game a pick em. Uh, Who do you see having an advantage here? Well, I actually was on the other side of that Pittsburgh game. Unfortunately, you keep getting the best of me in our little head-to-head action. But uh, <laughs> what looked like a great start to me, Pittsburgh, I think, had held Carolina scoreless for the first five minutes, maybe six minutes of the game. Yeah. And then UNC completely flipped the script second half. I think it was a poor shooting night for Pittsburgh, but really was because they couldn't get anything inside, which they're not really that type of team in general. But when they don't shoot, they have no offense and no answers for anything. And uh, UNC does seem to have a more capable lineup this year. So that's that's a, a certainly a good start for them. Um, and, I mean, it's really tough. Three straight road games at Pitt, at Clemson, at North Carolina State for UNC. Uh, I don't know who, I don't know who, did Mike Krzyzewski all of a sudden start making schedules or something like that? I'm not really <laughs> sure how did. that happened. But um, I think, I mean, from what we've seen with Clemson over the years is that they do have some weak points and it's usually when they're on the road. At home, they rarely seem to get priced the way I expect them to. Uh, pick them here also f- feels cheap. Uh, coming off a loss to Miami on the road, not as embarrassing if Miami were full strength, but I mean, I was scared off of Miami just because of those injuries. And even when Nigel Pack was coming back, I was like, yeah, but how good will he be? And then he was 1.4 or 145% uh, in terms of offense efficiency. So like, and scored 25 points. So, I mean, I guess that'll happen from time to time. Miami, maybe they've learned to be more careful with their injuries because they used to just like, I guess have guys play too many times, even when they were banged up and then they'd miss the rest of the season or months at a time. Um, but in, in this game, I feel like it's a great spot for Clemson to bounce back. I'm a little bit concerned about uh, Clemson inside, but I'm still honestly not a believer in Armando Baycott at this point in his career. He's very solid and can, of course, beat players that he's better than. But P.J. Hall is a really tough matchup for him. I think he's going to bring him outside. Baycott shooting threes now, which I think is actually worse for the for Carolina because uh, at least he knew his limitations in the past. He's made a few, but I feel like those are the definition of fool's gold at this point. Uh, he's made two on the season, so I guess it's not too big of a, a part of their offense. But uh, I think this is a Clemson or nothing for me type of area. I think it's a good spot for UNC coming off their first, first true road win. It's good for them that they got that under their belt, but I feel like Pittsburgh was far from up to it at that point. And uh, five out of 17 from three usually doesn't win you a road game against a somewhat decent team in the ACC. So I'm looking at Clemson. Pick'em feels uh, apropos. Maybe I was thinking that Clemson might even be underdogs here uh, just in thinking more about it. I'm not sure if that's a line that I offered you when you sent them over to me. But um, I just I think this is a Clemson side that I'd like to back at home going forward. They're still a team I'm scared of on the road. But we thought they'd figured it out with that big Alabama win. Uh, but maybe that was more of an Alabama off night than anything. I think Clemson gets right at home. Yeah, I, I kind of lean that way. Um, I, I think for North Carolina, the real key guy this season is going to be Harrison Ingram. And I keep hearing that he's going to be like the next the next big thing. And we've seen some flashes of it. Like, I mean, he played really well in the in the overtime loss that they they had with Villanova. Uh, but I mean, he was even in a, a blowout win. He was a ghost in the pit game. I mean, he he did nothing except take a bunch of bad shots. 
And if you go back to um, if you go back to the Florida State game, like their first conference game, it was much of the same. Uh, you go back to the Kentucky game, much of the same. Like it's the, it, the guy. Like you, you can see that he's got some skills, but man, it is frustrating uh, if you like counting on this guy night in and night out. And unfortunately for UNC, I think he has to like he really has to be on for them to be you know an above average offense uh so i'm um I, i'm with you i, I do think I, I like the the hall matchup with baycott i think he can give him some trouble um so it is going to be clemson or pass for me as well all right let's go to the sec where it they, it just means more yes 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 i will soon hold on i will soon figure that out aj uh, yes, you will. Very soon when Texas starts going seven and six, as it seems like they deserve. <laughs> Auburn minus four and a half at Arkansas is what we're going to project here. Um, this is so interesting because both these teams' success generally weighs very heavily on where the game is played. These are two of the best home court teams uh, in the country. And... Now we've got Auburn, who I think is in general the the much better team going on the road and laying points, something I'm not super comfortable with. Uh, we've only seen Auburn have one true road game this year. It was at Appalachian State, and they lost outright. Uh, that is worrisome. It, it, I, how do you feel about this matchup from let's let's take the you know like let's put it on a neutral court obviously there's no way this is a neutral court uh being played in bud walton but it, it, what are what matchups do you see that that arkansas can exploit and then add in what we expect to be a pretty raucous home court yeah i mean that's one way to, to handicap games is you start putting who you think would win on a neutral and then seeing where the game's being played. And a lot of times for me, if it's, I like the home team and they're less than the three point favorite, uh, I think it's time to bet them. So uh, in this case, what did you give a, a number that you were expecting on what this will look like, even in the Arkansas Fayetteville Bud Walton arena? Auburn minus four and a half is my guess. Yeah. I mean, that is a, I mean, we saw Duke five and a half or so there earlier this year in a loss. Um, I, I mean, if you start on neutral, you'd really need to see some matchup advantages for Auburn. But to me, these teams are exactly the same. They're both going to live on being way deeper than their opponent. Um, I, I've watched fairly intently the North Carolina Wilmington, who's one of the best, I think, smaller teams in, in the country, who literally was matching Arkansas with their five-man line changes. Yet, it didn't really matter. The depth uh, maybe because it was in Fayetteville and maybe it was just the difference in athlete. Um, I think we're going to see that same type of situation here. Auburn might be a little bit better or more capable of, of withstanding it. Uh, but it's, it's going to be really hard for Auburn to play against a home, a home crowd at Bud Wallen, which is one of the best in the country. Plus a team that they're usually, I think Auburn is used to being more energetic and having the ability to tire out their opponents. And I don't think they'll be able to do that. Um, number seems wild to me at, at four and a half. I mean, I think any number that Arkansas is an underdog, I'll look at them. Um, I mean, I had the unfortunate, uh, 
I guess, realization that this Minifield guy coming uh, fresh off of not playing this entire season and dropping 30 points on Wilmington uh, last Saturday, that was a really nice surprise for me. But I just feel like they just come out of the woodwork at Arkansas. It's kind of a they had a slow start to the season, yes, and it does seem like that happens to them a lot, where their scoring just doesn't seem to show up for a while. Um, and they sometimes play an ugly game or get a little bit out of control. But that I think is the best way to describe the Auburn offense, which is essentially we're not going to tell you to stop shooting, just launch. And uh, that's a really scary thing to do. I think it's why we've seen Auburn so dominant at home, besides their their home like crowd, but it's also that they go on the road and they, their road splits are significantly worse. So um, I think just, you might've asked me to start neutral. I think the teams are similar. Um, And so that would make me think that Arkansas should be favored here. So uh, I will take whatever Auburn did in their early season, not playing a true road game besides that single loss on the road at Arkansas state or excuse me, Appalachian state, even worse. Um, I I just feel this is uh, a really odd number for me at this point in the SEC season. Uh, So give me Arkansas, any sort of underdog here, I think. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned Minifield, I I guess I, I should like, consider him more when we're talking about this game I mean this was a guy who as a freshman last year on let's face it a a pretty bad Washington team was like a real impact guy who I I don't think they saw him like being what he was uh he he became a starter like a full-time starter like uh pretty late into the season and I mean he was he was an effective guy so a big get for for Arkansas and maybe a guy who who can have some success. Like that's a, I mean, he was, he's like a, a very, he's from Flint, Michigan. He's a very Flint, Michigan type player. Uh, he's tough. He's going to get to the free throw line. Uh, good ball handler typically. So um, I think Arkansas may have gotten better uh, with, with getting him into the lineup the last few games. So obviously, you know, they, they were early in the season working in some pieces. Uh, you know, Trayvon Mark, it, it was a new addition. Like they were trying to, to get guys. And I think it's a, a, a unique system. So fitting fitting those guys, like we saw it with uh, Brazil last last year, like fitting him into the system was it, it took him a little time to uh, to catch his, his footing. Maybe Arkansas is a team that, that gets better as the season goes on, as some of these like the Khalif battles and the Trayvon Marks and, and Minifield, like as, as they become more acclimated. Uh, to to what uh, Moss is trying to do, so I'm with you. Uh, I I like the Hogs here if I can get a dog price, particularly a dog price outside of a, a, a field goal. Um, I, that's the way I'm going to be yeah. looking. Any any dog for me, it, they they will bark. Ole Miss plus twelve at Tennessee, and man, I was surprised to see like my little system where I put together the numbers, and in, in fact. 12 may end up being short. Ken Palm has this at 14 and Tennessee at home typically takes money, but Ole Miss is, is unbeaten. And I think it's probably fair to say kind of untested is the problem. So uh, you've got a team who's sitting at 13 and 0, uh, but hasn't done a whole lot to make you feel good. They did beat Memphis, but they beat Memphis at home. Um, and Memphis, a much weaker home team, uh, or a much weaker, weaker road team than they are a home team. Um, you know, they, their best win away from home, I guess they, they beat central Florida. Uh, they beat a bad temple team. They just haven't done a lot outside of their building. 
And this is their first real step up in class. Like if we say Memphis is like a top 30 team in the country, okay, like Tennessee is a top 10 team in the country. Putting them on the floor and saying, okay, go out there and and let's see how we match up finally. That scares me a little bit. Uh, It's funny, a couple of former Texas coaches in in Chris Beard and Rick Barnes here. Uh, How sustainable is it what we've seen out of Ole Miss so far uh, as they get into the meat of their schedule? And what do you make of Tennessee who had that run like around Thanksgiving where they lost to Purdue, Kansas and UNC? uh, And it was like, oh, maybe maybe they're not that good but since then they get they got the win uh against illinois and have have just kind of kept chugging along since they they beat uh north carolina state uh like maybe maybe it was around christmas time but uh been on a nice little run since that you know that little bad stretch late november where do you see tennessee in the overarching scheme and and how do you think they match up uh against ole miss so I'll start with Ole Miss. Uh, Chris Beard, who uh, nearly won me the most famous future bet of my lifetime, but unfortunately lost that national title way back when at Texas Tech. Um, I've followed him a lot, and it seems to me that his normal scheduling is just the sisters of the poor for the first, uh, as, as long as he can get away with it, essentially part of the season. So this actually feels like a more uh, difficult schedule than he's had in a long time. But of course, coming out of his uh, firing at, at Texas, I think was trying to get some, some wins and some potentially, um, some good feelings, whatever under his belt. And it's worked. Um, I think the soft schedule will really be tested going on the road to Tennessee. Rocky tops, the hardest place to play, I think in the sec, um, just in, in terms of the, well, I guess you could say that because because Auburn's pretty tough too, but one of the tougher places, and it seems to be that Tennessee makes shots there um, on the road. It's a lot more difficult to to know if they will or they won't, but we know Tennessee will defend anywhere they play. And I think from uh, just a, a, I guess a where these teams and, and kind of how this game starts, I think Mississippi will struggle at the beginning with Tennessee's physicality, and I don't think they've seen this type of team so far in the season. As you mentioned, the schedule's been pretty soft, and I think the marketplace has been pretty negative towards Ole Miss. I mean, seeing them, uh, they were best bet of mine on the 16th uh, in a neutral site game against California, only a three-point favorite uh, despite starting the season 9-0 and at that point. Um, so I think there's been – it's taken a little while for the market to buy into Mississippi – and a number as big as 12 does seem gigantic, bigger than what I was expecting. But I was also expecting maybe the market to get on board with Mississippi. They do have a lot of talent. Um, to me, it, it felt like it should have been a lot better under Kermit Davis, the pre- previous coach. But Alan Flanagan, they basically stole from Auburn, which is a huge addition. Matthew Morell is a good scorer. Um, and they got Jamarian Sharp, seven foot five, tallest guy in college basketball from Western Kentucky. So they've got a lot of pieces to defend the rim and potentially make shots if they can kind of put that all together. They're a pretty good team and, and hence the 13 no start. Uh, but go, they're going into a really tough place and uh, I don't really feel like they're going to be competitive here. I'm looking forward to them doing so. And then if they do prove that they can hang with Tennessee on the road, then I think we start to take them a lot more seriously. I think it's one of those games where I'm backing Mississippi at home until I feel a little bit more um, 
I guess, safety and how they play and that they can actually do this against better schedules. Because as you mentioned, UCF on the road, not great. Memphis, the the win, they were trailing most of the game. And honestly, it was one of those games where before Memphis was really taken seriously. So uh, I think we know what the commodity is of Tennessee. They're a a really tough defense. They're going to play a lot better at home, and they can blow teams out there. So I think I'm hesitant to back Mississippi until they prove a little bit more. But uh, I don't blame anyone playing against a Tennessee team giving this type of price because Mississippi might be better than we than we thought, and that's. But you're essentially making that bet that they are a legitimate contender to win the SEC if you're playing them on the road at Tennessee. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained, and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it and it's so easy here Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ. It's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped the board as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1. Because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality. And I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. Kind of what I'm hoping for is we get a Tennessee blowout here and we see Florida compete at home with Kentucky uh, also on Saturday. And then Florida Florida goes to Ole Miss uh, next week, in the middle of the week. That might be an interesting spot to back Ole Miss. If they, if they get blown out in this spot uh, and Florida it plays well against Kentucky at home, uh, we may get a, a pretty cheap home price on Ole Miss and might be uh, something worth worth monitoring. If the, if it goes the way I, – I tend to think the same thing as you, that, that Ole Miss is – this is probably too much of a step up in competition for them. But I do think, you know, if, if you're talking about Florida, you're talking about Auburn, you're talking about Kentucky, and, and I, I hesitantly say you're talking about Alabama, 
you're talking about like the premier teams in the SEC. I, I probably don't want anything to do with Ole Miss against them, but those mid-tier teams, the the Floridas, the uh, Mississippi State, the Texas A&Ms, and maybe like even South Carolinas, those are the teams, if, if you can get Ole Miss at home, uh, that I'll probably be a little more interested yeah, in. Yeah, don't blame me. I mean, it's just one of those things where I'm trying my best to remember, do not fall in love with these big, big spreads going to the best teams in the country. Uh, and Tennessee, I mean, they might not be the best talent-wise, but they've proven on that home floor they can annihilate people or teams in general. So that's something I'm hoping that I can do a bit better job of staying away from going forward this season. All right, before we, uh, before we get two more best bets in the pocket, Griffin, which we're obviously going to do another two and zero here incoming. Uh, tell the people how they can save some money at pregame. Yeah, use the promo code CBB twenty Charlie Boy Boy twenty. Good for twenty percent off for all listeners of this college basketball podcast. Uh, it's good for seven days from the podcast release, so you have until the eleventh, maybe twelfth of January. But why wait? You just heard we're two and zero last week on our, our best bets. We've been a pretty solid one on one alternating. Who is carrying the podcast for a long time now? But since we've we've basically climbed over that hurdle. We we are the Ole Miss Rebels going to Tennessee, getting an upset win. So now you are believers in us as a podcast. Of course, we appreciate you following us along. And we've done a lot of these episodes now as we're essentially into primetime crunch time of the season as conference play begins. And we finally get some good cards because there are some dog babies going along the way. Um, as we say, though, use the promo code CBB20, good for 20% off, and we get a little bit of credit if you use it. Our bosses like us a little bit more, so please throw that in there. Save yourself some money and look for some packages. They're offering season-long, I think, full-year packages as well, all of 2024. So check that out and uh, go save yourself some money, and we'll hopefully ride together on a long, winding journey of winners all the way through April 5th, 6th, or whatever day this season ends. All right. Uh, you want to go first? You want me to go first uh, coming off our our Two and zero. Sure, I'll, I'll lead us. I'll lead us off. You know, I, I figured it's my responsibility to keep this going since you were. I was about as as cold as it could be uh, starting this season, but it's been a pretty good run lately. I want to say five or six in a row I've won, so I'm going to try to keep that going. And I'm going to a little bit off the beaten path to the Missouri Tigers. We're projecting around a three point favorite. If you can get three or less, that's what I'm interested in. Probably play it up to four, but their home team this weekend against the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, I'm still not yet a believer in Georgia and what they're trying to become. They've certainly added some talented pieces, but we've seen athletic Georgia Bulldogs teams in the past. So I'm going to back Missouri. It's been a little bit of a rough ride, I'll put it that way, this season. Uh, but they have had some pretty tough competition, and I think that baptism by fire will help them in what's really a great environment at home at Mizzou Arena. I'm going to give you Missouri, let's go minus four or less at home against Georgia. Something in that range is what I'm expecting. It might even come a little bit shorter than that, so we'll see. Uh, but take Missouri and uh, ride the home court as we get conference play started off in the right Yeah, front. Georgia's tough to read, man. Like they, the They... I mean, their win early against Wake Forest is, I guess, aging pretty well. Um, but other than that, like it's, it's been like they they've been playing the Sisters of the Poor. Like it's just been pathetic. Uh, at least they, they had. I mean, they played Miami and Providence and lost both those games. They lost to Oregon, which I, I say this every week. I don't know what what team Oregon is week to week, but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. like they've just been playing nobody and all home games and you're getting them going away. It's their second true road game. Um, that's the kind of spot where I, I'm with you. I, I like to back Mizzou at home. I'm going to go even more off the beaten path. I'm going all the way to the, the Southland go. Conference. 
I'm going to McNeese State, kind of the the new darlings of uh, low major basketball. Uh, they've been better than anybody thought. They were going to be faster than anyone thought. Uh, Will Wade was suspended the first 10 games of the season, and it was how are they going to do early? How are they going to kind of take all these guys that were in other programs a year or two ago, and how are we going to meld them together? Held up pretty well in non-conference. They got road wins at VCU, at UAB, and at Michigan. And their only losses came on the road against Western Carolina and Louisiana Tech. And neither of those, nobody's looking at those as bad losses. Those are pretty good teams. And Commerce has generally just been a punching bag this season. They got smacked around in a bunch of bye games. Uh, They won a few home home games against D2 and NAIA schools. And they did beat St. Joe's. But I think that says more about the up and down nature of Joe's than it does Commerce. Here's one of the things I hate the most about Texas A&M Commerce. They shoot threes at a top 10 rate in the country. Like they they want to shoot those threes. But they are bottom 20 in three-point percentage. I can't think of a more disastrous recipe. Is like we shoot more threes than anybody, we can't make threes. And I just I don't see that flying. Uh McNeese is a much better rebounding team. They don't turn the ball over at all. In fact, they turn it over the the lowest rate in the country. Uh, McNeese, the big knock on them is the the lack of size, and that matters less now that they're in conference play because no one's that big in the Southland. So McNeese has already beaten Michigan and VCU by exactly 11 points on the road. So we're looking at 11-point spread against a bad commerce team. I feel pretty good, and I know Will Wade wants to start conference play with a win. So I think McNeese, uh, I think you're going to see a lot of this out of McNeese this year, trying to make statements against low level teams in the Southland. So give me McNeese minus 11 on the road against A&M commerce. That sounds like a strong ass best bet. If uh, we can say what uh, Will Wade said in the wiretaps way back when, <laughs> but you know, I guess if he's still coaching, it doesn't. Matter. Yeah, I mean, a ten game suspension, and basically all he was doing was what everybody's doing now. So big deal, right? Yes, he was a trendsetter, as they might call it, and seems to be a decent basketball coach. Maybe not too shabby. All right, that is going to do it for another episode. Griffin, great job as always. We will be back on Sunday night. Looking forward to next week's slate. We appreciate you guys listening, and good luck with your bets this week. 